right, Bankless Nation, welcome to the first week of February. What are we doing today, David? We are rolling up the news, which is an ambitious exercise these days because the news in this crypto industry just does not stop. We are going through five different sections to make sure that you can stay up to date with this crazy world of crypto. First, we're talking about the markets. What are the markets saying? Then we're talking about releases. What got released? Then we go into news. What is in the news cycle? And then we finish up with some takes that we find interesting around the ecosystem. And then we finish up with what we are excited about me and Ryan. But actually, we have a special new section this week in this weekly roll-up, which is the meme of the week, which is something that we are going to finish up on moving forward. Meme of the week. I'm super excited to see what you selected this week. As usual, guys, this comes out Friday morning, so you can enjoy it with your morning coffee. Uh, we used to have this down to like 30 minutes, but now it's it's taking a little bit longer. But this is the most digestible way to get the crypto news into your brains every week. So we're glad you're with us. David, are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's roll them up. We're starting with markets today. So we always have to start with Bitcoin. What's going on in Bitcoin land? Bitcoin, $37,000, continuing to range between forty dollars and $30,000. If you are interested in an alt season or a DeFi season, this is what you want to see. Bitcoin ranging, staying in, uh, staying between that range of thirty dollars to $40,000, consolidating there, letting people buy into Bitcoin and slowly fill their bags without pumping the price too much. And then some of that extra value can flow downstream to the low cap tokens. That's what I see happening in, the, in this market right now. Yeah. Yeah, rumor has it, David, you own no Bitcoin. Maybe we'll get to that later. That's uh, that's the rumor going around on the interwebs these days. All right. Uh, a little talk. bit more than rumor. <laughs> there is more going on in ETH price this week, though. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin had sort of a, a flat-ish week, but ETH price did not. I hope if you were an ETH holder, you like all-time highs because we're seeing them on the daily. I remember the 1500s like it was yesterday. And in fact, it only lasted a day. <laughs> now we're in 1600s and beyond. What's going on here? Yeah, $100 a day added to the ETH price keeps the bears away. That's what we like. Actually, ETH price has got broken all-time highs uh, every single week for the past three weeks. Uh, but this week was a little bit different. Previous weeks, it only broke it by $20. First, it broke it by, it broke for the 1420 mark by $20 at 1440, then 1460, then 1480. But now we smashed through that record. We touched $1,700 yesterday, uh, and now we are at 16 30. We've uh, ranged between $17 and $1,600 for the past 24 hours. Um, nice job, ETH, showing a really strong momentum right now. You know, some people will say this is like too much too soon, but I, I honestly find it fitting, David, because we are about like one week exactly. ETH hit, ETH hit all time highs one week exactly from the GameStop fiasco. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's like, uh, an accident. Like I think there's there's evidence here that people started to fund exchanges and start get interested in get interested in crypto as a result of what was going on with GameStop and Robinhood and AMC and everything that's going on in Wall Street bets. Do you think that is a, a safe link to make? I think that's absolutely right. And I think some of the evidence for that is that it takes three to four days to get your deposits cleared into Coinbase. And if you wanted to extend three to four days back in, in uh, or in front of, or after the GameStop you know, drama, that was Wednesday and Thursday, where we really saw ETH moving on, on, on Coinbase and other exchanges, but also importantly, a lot of DeFi tokens on Coinbase as well. Aave, we're gonna talk about Aave in a second, but Aave kind of like the brand of DeFi, a 
along with Uniswap jumped an insane amount from $300 to $560 earlier today. I think that's a sign that retail investors are here on Coinbase and their deposits are finally clearing. Well, let's look at it from a DeFi Pulse Index perspective. David, it seemed like just a few weeks ago, this was hovering around 100. It's jumped up to 413, the DPI, uh, the DeFi Pulse Index has. And total locked value in DeFi has also exploded to about 32 billion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty impressive here, like these DeFi stats. Yeah, last week there was 26 and a half billion locked in DeFi, so we're up 6 billion on that. And then last week DPI was $290 and it's at 413 now. Really strong week. The best the best week ever for DeFi prices. Yeah, this is uh this is kind of the DeFi Pulse index over time and this is an all-time high according to this index of around 400. So mm-hmm. DeFi it's is it DeFi season then, David? Uh, I, I think DeFi season is just getting started, but yeah, I think we are in DeFi season. Well, something we looked at last week, and I think we'll continue to do it on the rollups, is this ratio, this DPI to ETH price ratio. Tell us about this and what it's doing right now and why it's important. Yeah, this is something I'm keeping a close eye on. DPI, the DeFi Pulse Index, of course, is an index for all of DeFi. And it's uh, it's breaking out versus Ether. So we're looking at a versus Ether chart. And so, you know, DPI versus US dollar tells you one story. But I think DPI versus Ether tells you a much more interesting story. When uh, DeFi tokens start outperforming Ether, the base asset of Ethereum, that is indication of DeFi season, you know, quote unquote, DeFi season. And uh, the DPI index, it's a relatively young asset. It started in September, I believe. Um, And so it's six months old, Um, but we're already pushing up near to the all-time highs that we saw in the DeFi summer where DPI was born. Uh, And as the the crazy thing is, you know, Ether did its absolute insane run from like $1,300 to $1,700, yet DPI was green versus ether in that outperforming same time. ether outperformed ether and that Crazy. hasn't happened since defi summer but it has Correct. been happening outperformance of of ether on the dpi has been happening since uh, early january up until mm-hmm. now and you think that's going to continue in the near term well, so the, the cycle, the, the tweet that I put out, the cycle is, you know, first Bitcoin, then Ether, then DeFi season, then DeFi tokens. Uh, and we already saw Bitcoin, you know, it's 2x all time high. Ether is like two to $300 above its all time high. Um, and so like it, there could be room for it, it still being Ether's turn, but DeFi tokens look like they are ready to go. Uh, and so I, I think the jury's still out, whether it's, it's still Ether's turn or DeFi season. Um, but, you know, things are trending towards DeFi season right now. Very interesting. All right, let's talk Aave because that has been an in- explosive asset this week. Um, actually, before we t- touch on Aave, you know, that another metric we should talk about, David, is the ETH to Bitcoin ratio. That's another ratio that we monitor. What's going on with that? Yeah, this is Chris Berniski, who I know pays attention to the ETH BTC ratio. He has similar theses that I do. Perhaps I'm actually just kind of absorbing his knowledge. I, I like Chris, and I think he's a smart guy, so I think it's a smart thing to do. But the ETH BTC ratio is approaching um, a two and a half year high. We haven't seen these levels since 2017, and of course, the last time we saw a quote unquote alt season, which is now DeFi season as a brand, by the way. Uh, and so, like two and a half years. Um, and so, you know, ETH hasn't been higher than than Bitcoin 
Bitcoin at this level for two and a half years. And what Chris is saying is that, you know, when Ether breaks these levels, this, this channel that ETH has been in for two and a half years, it's really indicative of people going risk on and looking down the market cap for, you know, more and more speculative bets. This is kind of how we anticipated this bull run would would play out. First, first Bitcoin, as you said, and then Ether would outperform Bitcoin. We've seen that now. It now it's happening. Um, it's gaining on the ratio, and then DeFi would further outperform Ether. So mm-hmm. DeFi would outperform both Ether and Bitcoin. It's kind of exactly. It's playing out exactly as we expected it would so far. And I'm like, I'm wondering if um, if that model is going to continue to hold or if we should expect something unexpected because this is crypto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely something to pay attention to. This is how I have my portfolio position, positioned. Uh, obviously, I'm bullish. I do want to make a note that like, People that go too far down the, the market cap stack, that could go too far into the speculation of DeFi tokens, especially if they do it too late in the game, that can be too risky. So understand that when people go risk on, they are taking a lot of risk. And if the market decides to turn against you, you are exposed. So don't go crazy speculating on DeFi tokens. You know, Keep your foundations, keep your crypto monies. I think that the big question is, uh, where are we in the cycle from a high level? If you were to compare this to 2017, is this more March of 2017 or is this more July or November of 2017? I would err on the side of, of this being more like March 2017 in that this bull run is just getting started, but it is hard to tell. It's hard to time these things. That's why you dollar cost average in, have some discipline with respect to your portfolio uh, and uh, and be careful. Don't fall into the the FOMO traps. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. David, speaking of a FOMO trap, oh my god, <laughs> Ave, what are you doing? The Ave token. Wow, where did it start this week, and and where is it now? Well, how, just give us the last two days, actually. Yeah, last two days, Ave two days ago was three hundred dollars. At the time of speaking, it uh, like an hour ago, it touched five hundred and fifty dollars. So, uh, rivaling Ether in in unit price gains from from three hundred dollars to five hundred and fifty, that is absolutely insane. In two days, that's almost doubling the Ave market cap. Insane. Uh, so this and is this worth is kind it's of, worth six billion at this point six, now. Six billion market cap. Yeah, and this is why I think like DeFi season is is on, and, and especially because we're seeing. Uh, the Coinbase Ave price outstripped the, the Binance Ave price or the Uniswap Ave price because that is where cash is getting injected into the ecosystem. You know, Ave is kind of like a bellwether for the rest of DeFi. I think you know, same thing with Uniswap. I would also put Uniswap in that category. That's a great point. So uh, people are fresh fiat is coming on you know, Coinbase rails and directing in injecting itself directly into some of these DeFi tokens. That's what we're seeing with Uniswap. That's what we're seeing on Aave. They're both listed on Coinbase. Really fascinating here. David, We uh, let's just change topics for a minute. I think this is a super interesting metric that I haven't looked at in a while. This website money-movers.info shows it. This is the settlement value per day of Bitcoin versus Ethereum. And you can see right now that, Bi- that Ethereum is settling $20 billion a day in value. That includes all of its stable coins. That includes Ether, the asset as well. It includes wrapped Bitcoin. Bitcoin is settling $9 billion a day in, in value. So this cycle, Ethereum is like outstripping Bitcoin's mm-hmm. daily settlement value by 2x. And I think this will only increase because uh, Ethereum has all of like all of these additional, additional assets beside ETH built on top of it. What's your take on this? 
Yeah. So it's, it's awesome to see that value being settled, just going super high up and to the right. It's also worth noting that the 20 billion a day for settled on Ethereum is only ETH, stable coins, and WBTC. It is not any DeFi token, no Aave, no Uniswap, no, no other of these. Like if those were included, it, the number would be astronomical. And I think the reason why that isn't included is because it's really hard to calculate. It's really hard to gain truth about this. This is one of the things that the industry is, is, I would say behind on or lacking and in, in def definite demand for is more uh, metrics around token settlements and token values. Um, it's just a hard, very hard problem to solve. And so it's crazy to think that Bi Ethereum is 2x Bitcoin and, set and settled value in just Ether, WBTC and stablecoin terms. You know, it's, you know what else is crazy? Because so, someone might say, justifiably so, well, USDC, that is is really, it's settled in the legal system, right? In a Coinbase uh, bank, because it's all backed by dollars somewhere. So what happens if you strip out USDC, uh, USDT, that, that's Tether, and wrapped ETH um, that has some, well, wrapped ETH doesn't oh, yeah. have dependencies, wrapped Bitcoin. Wrapped yeah, there you go. I'll keep, well, I'll keep DAI, um, wrapped ETH, and Ether. And all the things that are using Ether economic bandwidth. That's the pattern. Exactly. So these are all the, the trustless, it's the trustless uh, settlement value. There's there's no external dependency. I guess DAI has some external dependency in some of its collateral sources, but um, for, for, for the sake of this exercise, we remove that. And Ether, Ethereum is still ahead of Bitcoin in settlement value. So it's actually settling more trustless value per day at 12 billion versus Bitcoin's 9 billion, of course, Every Bitcoin uh, transacted on, on Bitcoin is trustless, right? The only dependency is the Bitcoin network itself. That stat to me is exceptional as well. It mm -hmm. shows that we're not only scaling economic bandwidth, we're scaling trustless economic mm -hmm. bandwidth. And that's key for the decentralized world that we all want to live in. That's the whole point of why we're here. And also included, that could be included in that, are tokens like Uni and Aave, which I would include as trustless assets. Totally. Yeah, those those cash flows settle on chain as all at, at um, as well. So they are crypto native capital assets. Uh, very cool to see that. All right, another thing that's cool. Tell us about the Dex Wars, the Layer Two Wars. Maybe that's the big story here, David. Yeah, we are getting into the conversation of Layer 2 liquidity and Layer 2 wallets on the Bankless program. We had Vitalik on to talk about his uh, blog post about L2 uh, wallets and social recovery wallets. So if you haven't watched that, definitely check that out. Um, podcast coming out next Monday, but it's already available on the Bankless YouTube. We're looking at a tweet here that shows uh, five different L2 DEXs, so liquidity on Layer 2s. Loopering leading the pack with $10 million settled in, in trading volume in the last uh, last 24 hours. NAS Social, which I'm actually not familiar with, $1.7 million. Uh, leverage number three at $0.9 million. Diversify, uh, $0.7 million. And IDEX at $0.3 million. L2 trading volume heating up, heating up. Yeah, it's, it's heating up. And these numbers are larger than the... the like all of the DEX trading volumes from 2017, right? DEX is, mm -hmm. had, hadn't even caught up until until the, like the last couple of years. And now our L2s are bigger, DEXs are bigger this cycle than regular DEXs were last cycle. It's pretty crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. This is also crazy. Alpha Finance, which is a new protocol. We wrote about this uh, recently. It's a way to take out leverage and do some yield farming. Interesting protocol. It mm -hmm. has now originated over $1 billion dollars worth of loans since and they just launched three months ago they're doing more volume than ave at this point what's crazy about this david is this project is three months old 
right? Mm -hmm. Like you talk about no barriers to entry for DeFi and for Ethereum. Like you can spin up a bank protocol, essentially, that does 1 billion worth of loans. If you construct it right and you, and you do it well, and you could spin that up in three months time, like that's mm -hmm. absolutely crazy to me to think about. And it shows you how fast this market can move, right? Like quickly, a, a brand new project that's three months old can rise to, to the top of the ranks in terms of the amount of economic throughput it's transacting. We saw that with su sushi swap. And that, that, that protocol is like five months old, six months old, right. mm -hmm. and it is crushing it in terms of volume. What, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway message is how much room there is for development in in DeFi, right? Like this, the, the DeFi ecosystem is not settled. Like there is room for a new projects to come in and build and capture a ton of value. Aave, Aave feels like a gargantuan in the space. And even it is a pretty young, it's only three years old, you know? Uh, and, and Alpha is coming in with their brand new product, clearly finding product market fit with leveraged yield farming, <laughs> DGen yield farming. Um, and, the, and the, there's no, no questions asked as to why uh, value locked in DeFi is going through the roof. Not only are the assets in DeFi like doubling in price, but also we are getting more uh, applications to receive deposits. All right, David, uh, that does markets, guys. You're getting a feel for everything is, is kind of up and to the right. Um, <laughs> everything, is, everything is bullish these days. Aave is a borrowing and lending protocol on Ethereum and just recently released Aave version 2, which has a ton of cool new features that makes using Aave even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi, Money Legos, Yield, and Composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can deposit in order to gain yield, and all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have deposited collateral. Here you can see me getting a 200 USDC loan against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens and ETH. I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option, but I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock that interest rate in permanently. One of Aave's V2 features is the ability to swap collateral without having to withdraw your assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. Aave does all of this for you all in one seamless transaction, so you don't have to repay loans in order to change the collateral you have backing them. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. If you want to live a bankless life, you need to get a Monolith DeFi Visa card. Monolith is a one-two punch of both an Ethereum smart contract wallet and an accompanying Visa card that lets you spend the money that you have in your Ethereum wallet everywhere where Visa is accepted. When you swipe your Monolith Visa card at the grocery store or at a restaurant, it actually makes a transaction on the Ethereum blockchain that spends some of the money you hold in your Monolith wallet. It's insanely cool and it's one of the best tools out there for living a bankless but still normal life. Monolith also offers on-ramp services for getting your fiat money into the world of DeFi. So it's trivial to top up your Monolith card if you ever need to, and your deposited money goes straight into your non-custodial wallet. So your money is never held by a centralized intermediary. Because Monolith is native Ethereum infrastructure, the money you hold in your Monolith wallet still has the power of DeFi behind it. Swapping assets on Uniswap or earning yield in DeFi is at your fingertips. Go to monolith.xyz and sign up to get your Monolith Visa card today. Let's talk about releases. So what's going on with uh, releases? You want to start with hash masks. 
Okay, they just came on my radar this this week. What are hash masks? Hash masks, the new NFT craze. Hash masks are, I, th I think, these procedurally generated uh, art. I could be wrong about the procedural generation, but a bunch of new art, kind of like uh, those old uh, pixelated, I can't remember the name of them, uh, the uh, pixelated avatars that people purchase and, and speculate oh, on. Oh, the and, punks, and, crypto punks. Uh, crypt crypto punks, crypto yeah, punks, yeah. Which, which can be valued at anywhere between one and 100 ETH per crypto yeah. punk, which is absolutely crazy. We have a new one, a, a new version of crypto punks. I really like the art behind these some of these art uh, some of the art here is really really cool uh, some of them have unique features that people that you know that perceive to be valuable and and awesome and 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 that's how people are just subjectively valuing this art and trading them uh, and it's, it's just blown up in the end dude this okay so i'm looking at this tweet here somebody spent uh six hundred fifty thousand dollars in mm -hmm. ether by the way ether's money on <laughs> a hash mask yeah what <laughs> Dude, NFTs are hot. People like NFTs. That's crazy. I, I yeah. like the amount of um, like artists around the world have got to be looking at this space and being like, hey, mm -hmm. I want to produce art for the crypto NFT world because it pays really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's in, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I've never, I've always been, no, I'm no longer skeptical on NFTs, but I used to be because I was always like, you know, digital art, like how does that work? But like people kept on buying them and like to the point of like, you know, 0.6 million dollars, like I'm no longer skeptical because people are doing it. Like, you know, the, the money's there to prove it. Absolutely. Uh, very cool project. Very interesting. We continue to monitor the NFT space. Think it's going to have a big year in 2021. Uh, Metaversal is a great newsletter from Bankless that you can stay tuned to to follow up, uh, follow that market. All right. Another hot release this week, David, is Balancer V2. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Balancer V2 is something I've been long awaited for. Really happy to see it out the gate. There's just a bunch of new features, as you would expect in V2. Uh, there's just more, more gas efficiency, uh, different types of asset management tools, different types of oracles, also a protocol fee for the BAL token. Uh, and th there is a fantastic tweet thread that Ryan is showing on screen if you want to learn more about it. Um, just a long awaited update to the Balancer protocol. So congratulations to the Balancer team for getting it out the door. Yeah, it feels like uh, Balancer's... Balancer's, I think, killer feature is the amount of customization you can do with it. And what this, what Balancer V2 really allows is for people to essentially create their own automated market maker, right? So like mm -hmm. you can, you can, you can tune this in all sorts of different ways. You could create your own uh, curves, like, like, like curve, the, the stablecoin mm -hmm. automated market maker, or you could spin mm -hmm. up something else. So um, Balancer is, is really a, a, a suite of power tools now for creating these automated market makers. And they've created a, a, like a whole way uh, for people to do that. I think that's going to bring a ton of innovation in this space. And there's this kind of this debate, David, as to whether we'll end up having one automated market maker to rule them all, kind of like a Uniswap to rule them all, or whether we'll have all sorts of different curves and a world of many different automated market makers. And I think Balancer is more a bet on the, the, the second world. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I think we could even use a barbell theory behind this, the types of AMMs out there where Uniswap is the maximally reductive, maximally simple uh, version and Balancer is the maximally uh, tinkerable maximum, uh, with maximum optionality and maximum expressivity with how you want your AMM to, to be designed. Um, I'm, there's extreme amounts of value, I think, in both designs.
Yep. Every money protocol that can be designed on Ethereum will be designed on Ethereum. Maybe that's and put, and put, put through the DeFi crucible. Everything <laughs> that can be designed will be put through the DeFi crucible and only the things that are valuable will come out the other end. There you go. I'm calling that Hoffman's law from now on. There you go. Love All it. Right. Love it. Um, Parsec. What is going on with Parsec? This looks pretty cool. I, I've got a user interface. Tell me about this, David. Yeah, Parsec is a new like information terminal, kind of like a DeFi native Bloomberg uh, re reading information. I bet I, I, this is unconfirmed, but I bet you the graph protocol is behind some of this information uh, behind Parsec. If you just want to get a one-stop shop for all of your DeFi information and just get a feed of trades and a feed, just feeds into your eyeballs, it's a great, um, great website to go to app.parsec.finance. That's P-A-R-S-E-C. Uh, and so it taps right into you Uniswap trades. So big Uniswap trades, big Uniswap liquidity deposits or withdrawals, um, and, and you know, the typical buying and selling features, and then also charting features, you know, just a, a place to get to, to view all of your portfolio. It's pretty cool. It's so it's so cool, man. This is kind of the dream. It's basically a Bloomberg terminal uh, overlay on top of everything that's built out in, in DeFi. Pretty crazy. Someone could put this together so quickly and for it to have the functionality that it has. Um, speaking of functionality, let's talk layer twos again for a minute. Arbitrum just put out a fantastic demo where this is, so Arbitrum, if you're not familiar with it, um, go check out our roll-ups episode with Vitalik. Uh, we talk a lot about this type of a roll-up, which is called the optimistic roll-up. So that's a layer two built on Ethereum. This, this is kind of the promise of um, near-term scalability for the Ethereum network. And Arbitrum just put out a demo where all of these crypto-native wallets and applications uh, work out of the box, except they're not running on mainnet, they're running on this Arbitrum rollup that is ultimately secured by mainnet. This is sort of a, a playground sandbox demo environment, but it's definitely a promise of things to come. Mm -hmm. And it's super cool that your native MetaMask or whatever you know, wallet you, you use just works out of the box with a rollup like Arbitrum. Super exciting to see layer two coming in this way in like a very real tangible way. Yeah, I think the uh, Santa Monica Pier metaphor is really, really useful here. For the for the international listeners who don't know what the Santa Monica Pier is, it's a famous pier off the coast of California. And this is kind of how I envision L2s, where uh, you have the highway, the Pacific Coast Highway, famous highway in America, and is very busy, very congested, lots of traffic. But then you park in the parking lot, you take that long walk out the dock down to the Santa Monica Pier. And so it's like a mile long walk on the dock. And then you're in the Santa Monica Pier where there's a fair wheel there's roller coasters there's like carnival games there's all these fun things to do in the santa monica pier and that's like my version of like an l2 and that's what this like arbitrum uh, l2 is where like it's, it's, some l2s are very specific in what they do but this arbitrum uh, l2 looks like it's just a place to do very like many many things uh, and that's what the power of optimistic rollups brings and and it looks like that there's going to be just a lot of fun things to do on arbitrum Speaking of Hoffman's Law, David, if it can be built, it will be built. Goldfinch. So this is something that needs to be built on top of decentralized finance. Uh, loans without collateral need to be built on top of decentralized finance. We have Aave, we have Compound. Of course, those require collateral in order to get a loan. But we need the idea of credit in DeFi. There's a lot of projects doing that. Here's one, Goldfinch. What would you say about this? Yeah, it's this is just the the crypto is always is the 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 meme is that it's speed running the his the history of finance and money right and at some point 
the, that that progress runs into uncollateralized loans, as we know of just like a credit. When people call like, oh, I got a loan from my bank, this is what they're talking about. We need to be able to offer people loans without asking them to lock up more than their loans worth well, of value. I mean, to your point, like historically, that's kind of collateralized loans is sort of how it worked in like the 1800s, you know, like mm -hmm. no one, there was no notion of credit. You didn't have a FICO score. There's no credit card for you. It's right. just like, oh yeah, I'll give you a loan, but how are you going to collateralize that loan? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like uh, when we talk about like financial freedom and financial tools, it's kind of, kind of unfortunate that like in order to get a loan from this space, you actually have to have more collateral, like this kind of antithetical to the idea of the loan. Uh, so having access to loans that you don't actually need capital for, I think is a really, really important tool. And so the way that this works is that it's actually based on trust. This is based on reputation. This is how loans work. So there are underwriters in this system. There are people vetting your ability to pay. That's, I don't think there's any way around uncollateralized loans in, in DeFi without that trust or you know risk tolerance to the, to the system. It, importantly, they are starting with emerging markets. You know, some, sometimes in like DeFi degeneration, degens and, and yield farming and all this speculation, we kind of forget about we forget about the plot. But the plot is financial tools for all. And that includes emerging markets. So very happy to see Goldfinch uh, starting their, their platform, starting their growth in emerging markets, getting loans out to people that don't have financial tools and also don't have capital to lock up in Aave or the Ether to pay for gas prices. Yep. We're going to see a lot of uncollateralized loan solutions, I think, uh, in 2021. It's definitely going to be a theme. Uh, David, speaking of a theme of 2021, this is Michael uh, Sonnenschein from Grayscale. He came on the show not too long ago. He says, many of you asked and we delivered. Grayscale released its valuing Ethereum report. What mm -hmm. does the report say, David? You know, this for short is this report is short and punchy and I can give you the TLDR of it. It's ETH as money. ETH as a store value asset in DeFi. It's, and then this, the second part is ETH as a capital asset. And then the third is ETH as a consumable, transformable, transformable commodity. Wow, um, that, I think I've I think I've heard this one before. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, we we tended to talk about that. It sounds exactly like the mm -hmm. triple point asset thesis, which is our value proposition, the bankless value proposition mm -hmm. for uh, for Ether, the asset. We've been talking about this for a long time. In fact, it kind of came. The genesis was a presentation you gave about a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. uh, about Ether as a, the, the best money, as mm -hmm. a, a triple point asset, how it has these three different properties. Um, what's happening, David, is we, we've said before, is like you and I kind of operate on the like layer zero, sort of the mm -hmm. meme layer, the, the narrative layer and helping to cr like create mental models for this. And not just us, the entire mm -hmm. like, like group of, of people who are investing in these protocols and members of the community who are developing content here operate on that level. And what happens is it tends to leak out. And now what we're seeing is it's leaked out to the, the next rung, which is crypto establishment institutions. And then suits. The, the suits, right? Or they're suit friendly, at least. They're mm -hmm. kind of a bridge to the suits, but they also hang in our world in crypto. And now they are propagating the same narrative and the same meme. And we think, of course, all memes are more than just like, like fairy tales and ideas. Mm -hmm. they, they have to be um, forged through the fires, right? They have mm -hmm. to hold truth. And I think we're seeing the triple point asset 
does mm-hmm. hold truth. And that's why it's getting propagated to the next layer. After this layer, David, it's all the institutions. So yeah. next you see uh, Stanley Druckenmiller talking about ether as a triple point asset, right? And like, eventually we see all of the institutions uh, mm-hmm. speaking the same thing as they did with Bitcoin as a digital gold. So this thesis, David, that uh, I'm going on about this because it's so freaking exciting. That's I think I was going to awesome. leave it for my like, what, what what's exciting this week segment, but I'm jumping the gun here. <laughs> um, like this is how the narrative propagates and we're just seeing the narrative leak into the institutions. And from there, it's just going to go wild. And then like pretty soon, the Ray Dalios of the world are going to buy into it too, as they are starting to buy into Bitcoin as, as digital gold. Ether, the asset is really just one cycle behind and maybe just a half cycle because it's catching yeah, up catching faster. Up. It's catching up. Yeah, anyway. uh, this is this is not something I don't think we could have done at Bankless. There, are, I, I like to joke how there are no ties in the Bankless Nation. Like we don't really wear suits. We're very informal. We make jokes, but people like Michael Sonnenschein, you know, they 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 rub elbows with the people like Stanley Druckenmiller. You're absolutely right. And so, getting the triple point asset thesis uh, into something more digestible and tangible for people that you know have billions of dollars of net worth under their under their control, uh, we I don't think we could have done that, but. That that's exactly what our role is in the first place, like you said, to be the M0 of memes, uh, of mental models and, and thoughts and theses about how to understand this space. And, you know, I think it's just validation that we kind of got it right when uh, Michael Sunshine is is putting out the f- official grayscale valuing ether piece. And it's basically the triple point asset. Someone wise once said the most bullish thing for it, Ethereum is to be understood <laughs> This is Ether as an asset being understood. Super bullish, very exciting. All right, got to end releases right there. We might come back to this topic. Um, Let's talk the news. What's going on in the news? Tell us about another, I guess, institutional friendly um, company that Mm -hmm. has an index called the Bitwise Index. What is that index and what's the news here? Yeah, the, the Bitwise uh, top cap in crypto indices takes the top 10 crypto assets and makes an index out of it. So it's very, it's very much a centralized version of the DPI, except for all of crypto, not just DeFi. But the cool thing is, is DeFi tokens are getting into the top 10 crypto assets ever, right? And so this is this is the great repricing event. Like this is how I kind of think about our, our industry as a whole. Every four years, the whole entire world remembers about this crypto thing. It turns its attention to crypto. It reprices the whole industry and then it forgets about it for four more years. But this is DeFi getting priced into where it belongs with the rest of crypto. Aave, both Aave and Uni are getting included in the Bitwise top 10 crypto assets port, uh, D- index portfolio, well-deserved. And I only expect them to continue their march up that, that crypto top 10. And the important thing is, is that there, as a result of this, there is a ton of buying pressure on any of these assets that get included because these indices have to buy them. I know a guy that works for a crypto trading uh, firm, and they have certain rules and regulations that they can only ac- ac- uh, access assets specifically in the Bitwise top 10. And so now that Aave and Uni are a part of that, they are allowed to trade and put Uni and Aave on their balance sheet because they are included. And so this is just super bullish for DeFi. Yeah, you're so right. And the the Bitwise top 10 used to make me so sad in 2017 because so a lot of institutional investors approach this space and they're like, I've heard of Bitcoin, right? But what about Ether and all of these other assets? I don't necessarily want to pick winners. Therefore, I want to invest in the top 10 projects, right? So because I know there's more than Bitcoin. I'm just not sure what else there is. And an index helps me capture it. But I used to be so sad in 2017 because if you went and purchased this index, 
you're mm-hmm. buying a bunch of shit. XRP, like, like LTC, like XRP, EOS. Litecoin, EOS, all of this junk that quite clearly, uh, if you're in this space, you know that these projects have no staying power. And yet somebody who's purchasing the index is forced to buy these alongside good assets like Bitcoin and Ether, right? Made me so sad. But now DeFi projects are rising into the top 10 and it's a much healthier index this cycle. That's what you're talking about, David, the great repricing. We're seeing it happen. It's also happening in Grayscale. That's the next bit of news. Grayscale may have laid the groundwork for more potential crypto trusts. And two of those trusts, if this filing is correct, one is potentially a trust around Uni, that's the Uniswap token. And the other is Aave, that is Aave's token, of course. So DeFi assets in a Grayscale-like trust, that means you could purchase DeFi assets in a brokerage account, just like mm-hmm. you're purchasing ETHE. We've talked about ETHE, it's upside and downside, has a lot of downside, um, better to go crypto native. But availability in a retirement account, in, in a US brokerage account, is valuable uh, in in some ways. That's pretty bullish for DeFi. These 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 assets are breaking into the institutions, mm-hmm. and, and it just makes total sense as to why Ave went from three hundred to five hundred and fifty dollars in two days. Like someone is doing a bunch of buying, probably because they need to put it on the balance sheet in Grayscale in Bitwise, and then also people are buying on that on that same speculation. Like b- bullish, just bullish. <laughs> It cracks me up, David, because this is like this kind of opportunity doesn't come around a lot where retail actually gets to front run the institutions. But because of the mechanics, because of the way this this uh, industry was born, Mm -hmm. um, that's exactly what's happening. So first, you could outrun the institutions with Bitcoin, then Ether. Now they're starting to catch on with Ether and then DeFi. Retail has had an opportunity at each of these asset classes to front run the institutions. Uh, and they've been able to do that. And it's super exciting. The institutions are still trying to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why it's important to be a DeFi user because Aave and SNX, those only got added to Coinbase, I think, four weeks ago. Yeah. And so like if you bought, you you had to have bought them on Uniswap. There's no other place to get them. Uh, and in, when they were only on Uniswap, Aave was under $100. Like Uni was under, or, or SNX was under like $10 or $7, right? And so like front running the, opportun- uh, front running the, the institutions means that you need to be a DeFi native person, right? You need to understand how to use Uniswap. And that's, that's just trying what we te- uh, teach on the Bankless program. Absolutely. It is definitely the, the work at Bankless kind of like paying off and your work. You have to, if you're, if you're serious about this space, front running the opportunity, no one's going to tell you exactly how to do it, right? It takes time every, like every week, sometimes every day to actually understand this space. Uh, and I, I think those who have been doing that have been well rewarded and will continue to be. Visa Q1 earnings call review, review, uh, reveals details about its crypto strategy. David, this is the, uh, the fintech DeFi mullet, as we've called it in the past, Visa, uh, thinking about how it can start bypassing traditional legacy financial rails and building on top of crypto rails, in particular, stable coins. This reminds me of our Jeremy Allaire uh, podcast we just did earlier in the week, just came out this week. Um, Visa, in their quarterly earnings report, is talking about how they can use their payment network, make it crypto friendly, and essentially, um, you know, like use the same gateways with stable coins rather than traditional bank uh, coins. Pretty bullish on the space. I think Visa is going to 
play a big role in the advent of crypto here. Yeah, we don't have too much details about this, this, the specific details of what's going on here. We just know that Visa is talking about it, talking and, and it has plans to include it. But like at the end of the day, it's the protocol sync thesis. Like USDC transfers on Ethereum are faster and uh, have much stronger assurances than any other ACH or wire transfer on the, the payment networks, on, on the banking rails. And that is just a quality of life improvement for companies that work with asset transfers. It's so fascinating. I, I don't know what they're going to do here, David, whether they're going to roll their own stable coin, whether they're going to adopt something like USDC, or maybe they like buy a, a circle. You know, Visa is certainly big enough to, to buy one of these existing more crypto native uh, groups and, and get into the space in a big way. And I think they will. David, you want to take this next one? Michael Saylor, what's he doing this time? Michael Saylor pumping Bitcoin as, as a good Bitcoiner does. He, Michael Saylor in MicroStrategy hosted an online conference, an on online webinar to teach other institutions all about Bitcoin and what it means to put Bitcoin on the balance sheet, teaching about legal burdens, you know, tax burdens, like compliance issues, rationale and reasoning. Uh, and apparently it was an absolute hit. Apparently over a thousand firms attended Michael Saylor's and MicroStrategy's webinar. Uh, and I just think this is absolutely awesome. Like this is, this is just how the, the Bitcoiner culture works. Like you, you, you get red pilled or orange pilled to Bitcoin. You understand it. You put it on your balance sheet. You put more on your balance sheet and then you put more on your balance sheet and then you start shilling it to the rest of the world. <laughs> this is why this, this industry works. It just bootstraps itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really bullish news for, for Bitcoin, for the rest of crypto as well. But I think what it means is like this trade has worked so well for Michael Saylor. Every single CEO mm -hmm. of every corporation in the US and globally is going to be asking the question, huh, I've got a lot of cash. I don't mm -hmm. know what to invest in right now. I wonder if this crypto Bitcoin strategy could work for our organization as well, right? Like, I think this is there's going to be a cascading effect mm -hmm. of what happens here. Dude, my, Michael Saylor has done more for Bitcoin than anyone has, I think, in the last like three or four years. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a narrative of 2021 to watch. Um, speaking of doing things, India is doing things. <laughs> nice, nice transition. Bro. That's a terrible transition. All right, let, let me try that again. No, I say keep it. I say keep it. We're keeping Let's it. We're, it. We're keeping it. <laughs> India is doing things, doing bad things. Uh, the government, that is, is talking uh -huh. about a, a potential ban of private currency, cryptocurrencies. By private, they don't mean like, Private, privately, e privately owned. Privately owned uh, is what they mean. So by Bitcoin, you, the individual. Ether, no sovereign cryptocurrencies um, uh, legally available in the country of India. Um, this is like, man, I, I, I have so many thoughts on this, but why don't, mm -hmm. why don't you start? W what do you think about this? This is, this is classic, you know, nation state grasping for straws to keep control over their money supply, right? This is what every, this is, this is what we call like the final boss, but you know, India is not really the final boss. It's like a warm up boss because it's not the United States dollar. It's not the federal reserve, um, but they're trying to ban Bitcoin and, and public blockchains in order to promote the sovereignty of their own native currency. Uh, Ryan over or under on uh, India rolling back this ban by uh, halfway into 2021. Oh, I don't know about 2021. They like oh. governments are not notoriously like slow to change, right? But they will realize in the next five years that this is a a terrible decision. Imagine, imagine being a country and like banning the internet. 
in the early mm -hmm. 1990s. Imagine the economic opportunity that you would lose in doing that. Now, if, if all of the nation states grouped together and did it, like we're going to ban the internet in the 1990s, no such thing as an internet, maybe mm -hmm. there would be some success in, in doing that. But if India bans public blockchains, bans crypto, bans Bitcoin and Ethereum, and the rest of the world doesn't, right? They've got a real problem because the mm -hmm. rest of the world is front running their opportunities, putting right. their citizens ahead, has the opportunity to build their protocols, the Silicon Valley of crypto in their nation states. Um, the only thing that the government of India would do with this action is, is hurt its own people. So that that's right. kind of the real tragedy here. Um, but that, I don't that's know. What, that's why I that's why I think they're that's why exactly why I think they're rolling it back quickly. I think they're going to discover that it's actually much harder than they think to ban Bitcoin. And that's actually futile. And they're actually causing more harm than than good. Um, that's that's maybe that's optimistic. But I think that's why I'm op uh, optimistic on them rolling this back in the short term future. Yeah, definitely. They will at some point, if not in the short run. All right, David, I am staring at a picture of Logan Paul. Why am I looking at Logan Paul? And who is this guy? Yeah, for, the, for those that don't know, Logan Paul is perhaps the biggest YouTuber, as in like the number one sub YouTuber. So he's a big deal. Big, uh, has a ton of following with Zoomers and Millennials. Uh, and he's issuing NFTs, uh, which is absolutely crazy. I, I watched this video of Logan Paul advertising. They're like like Pokemon-like things. Some are gold, some are silver. And then there, I think there's perhaps one or very few that are like holographic and colored. Uh, and so that's, that's pretty cool. He's issuing them with a Bondly, which is a platform uh, that I actually haven't, hadn't heard of, but an NFT issuing platform built on Ethereum. It looks like Bondly is building on other platforms as well, uh, as well as P Polkadot. But according to all the news articles that I'm that I'm reading, these specific uh, NFTs in issued by Logan Paul are on Ethereum. Is that um, is that what I'm looking at here? Are these the no, I don't pets? think that, I don't think that's what you're looking at. It's actually okay. a picture of, of Logan Paul. Um, uh, and so that that is just super bull. I, I, super bullish. I was watching the video and I was like, "Is this a top signal?" And then I was like, "No, this is so fucking bullish." Uh, <laughs> uh, but Logan well, so Ball has an insane following, like the big one of the biggest followings on the internet. And okay, he's now advertising it, his NFTs. It was a top signal in 2017 when celebrities started sure. issuing their own like uh, ERC20 tokens, but that mm -hmm. ran them afoul of securities law. With NFTs, mm -hmm. you don't quite have that issue. I think we're gonna right. like this is something we've we've talked about for a while think that um, this cycle, all celebrities, anyone with an audience or community to capture, like many of them are going to issue these types of collectibles and we're seeing it already. We saw we saw Mike McDermott, I think, when Soldier Boy asked, like, "Yo," he asked, he just tweeted this out, like, "Yo, should I should I mint my own like Soldier Boy coin?" And like everyone, especially Mike McDermott, so a tip of the hat to Mike McDermott, was like, no, "No, don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah. That's a terrible idea. Mint NFTs. Idea. NFTs are products. They are goods. Yep. They are not securities. Like you're going to be way better off. Like if you ever want to forget about the NFTs in the long term, like you can. But if you make a currency, you can't. Like it's just a much better deal." Uh, and so like, yeah, no, no securities frauds uh, or, or illegal securities this hype cycle. That's a good thing. More surface area, as, as we say so often, for getting people into crypto. You come that NFT route because your favorite celebrity is selling something interesting. All right. Um, also, we don't have time to get to this, which is unbelievable. But like there are two other big names in crypto this week. One is Ray Dalio. He put mm -hmm. out a piece on Bitcoin. It seems like he is 
his temperature is is changing a bit on the on the positive side. He's getting a bit warmer to Bitcoin. He put out a really interesting paper about it, uh, basically saying like, "Hey, this could be a new store of value. This could be a digital gold." Previously, he's not been warm to that idea. So that's sort of a flip from him. Also, Mark Cuban did an AMA on Reddit. I caught some of it. But uh, he disclosed part of his DeFi portfolio. So mm-hmm. it, it contained Bitcoin and Ether, but it also contained some interesting things like Ave and Sushi. So like mm-hmm. he is going down the rabbit hole as well. I think, David, we're going to see a lot of big names in this bull cycle coming into crypto for the first time and sort of revealing their thoughts on it and, uh, and dabbling in it as well. Yeah, and I think this is just an indication of people coming into this space and being a blank slate. They are not coming in with like preconceived notions of Bitcoin maximalism. And so they, they aren't being tainted by this concept of Bitcoin maximalism. So they are they are looking at what's all the cool, fun activity that's happening on Ethereum, which there is a lot of, and they are getting captured by it. All right, David, that's that's been the uh, the news. Let's talk about some hot takes. Let's start with with this one, David. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the NFT note, uh, this is a Julian Co. I actually don't know this individual, but I loved this tweet. DeFiers, we prefer wealth. NFTers, we prefer status. And I, I added, uh, I retweeted this and I added Jake Berkman and Andrew uh, Steinwald, who we had on our NFT podcast forever ago, saying like, as like the canonical NFT experts in my mind, I said like, hey guys, what's your take on this? Like, do you agree with this? And they both generally gave a thumbs up, like DeFiers like money and currency and NFTers like, you know, art and status. Uh, and I think that's a nice and, and, and interesting mental model to kind of figure out like what these things mean to you. Yeah, I do. I do too. Naval talks about those two types of games that people play. Um, you know, many are actually uh, status games disguised as wealth games. People think that it's about like the the wealth or the amount of money, but really wealth at a certain point for, for many people becomes just a point system for, for status. And this clear delineation of like, if you're buying NFT crypto art, you're not buying it necessarily for the investment. You're doing it as a status symbol. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, the different ways the digital world will have to start projecting these status symbols in like uh, the metaverse, maybe, right? And virtual reality is, as avatars, you know, um, I think that's going to be a really interesting space space to watch because now that you have the thing that is high status, how do you show it to the world, David? I, I think what you do is you put your $25,000 NFT printout behind you on your wall. I think that's, I think that's what you do. 25,000 that low. I thought it was a hundred thousand. Oh, well I'm, I'm referencing your ether poster you have on your wall. Oh, so but... am I, sir. So am I. <laughs> it's just forexed in value during the course of this roll-up conversation. <laughs> Guys, I put some uh, new background imagery and everyone's playing kind of guess the price of what this, uh, this picture of ether is worth. Uh, and I'm not telling, you know, <laughs> value is in the eye of the beholder. That's what we just learned. It's a status thing. If you want to put a bid, tweet us at on, on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not selling. I ain't selling. Sorry, guys. All right, let's get to the second one. Um, Michael Wong, ETH's future is with ETH holders. ETH's future is with ETH holders. It's a tweet out. What's, uh, what's, what's this take about? 
Yeah, Michael Wong is actually one of my friends in real life. I went to college with him. Uh, and he, what he's saying is, uh, well, what I think he's saying is that the control over the Ethereum ecosystem is determined by ETH holders. Now, there's a question of governance because Ether is not a governance token. It's just a staking asset. But the security of Ethereum and the long-term direction of Ethereum is determined by ETH holders because of proof of stake. Uh, and so I think that solves really the, the agency problem where the well-being of the protocol is uh, upholded or stewarded by the people that have upside exposure to it, which I think is uh, that's one of my um, one of the reasons why I think proof of stake is such a fantastic mechanism for securing a blockchain. Because if it if it doesn't work well, the people that made it fail are the ones that suffer all the losses. And likewise, the the inverse of that is that if it does work well, the people that made it work well are the one that receive the ones that receive all the upside. Ether's Ethereum's future is with ETH holders. I actually think Bitcoiners kind of got this right. Right, they've always held their holders in high status and ethereum has not always done that um, but eth holders are incredible incredibly important community members and stakeholders uh toward the security of the network right um and they, they all have a vested interest in seeing it succeed so i like that take the emphasis on eth holders is important um all right david let's talk about this one. Oh my god i own zero bitcoin that's david hoffman saying that you tweeted that out wow Lots of yeah, courage. So, yeah. So, so why is this a take? I think is a really good question. I just, <laughs> yes. tweeted, I own zero Bitcoin, which is true. And this is, I also said that this is not a new event. I just thought I'd say it. The reason why I think this is a take is because like, why, why is a tweet of me saying I own zero Bitcoin getting almost a thousand likes? Like, why is that happening? And the reason is because people think that this is a brave tweet, which I think is absolutely <laughs> mean. Like, there's this, like, Stockholm syndrome that Bitcoin maximalists have the rest of the industry in, like, bullying us into believing that you have to own Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's acceptable to not own Bitcoin. It's okay to not own an asset. You don't need to get bullied by it. And so what I, what I meant to do when I made this tweet is, like, indicate and signal to people, it's like, hey, you don't have to believe the Bitcoin maxis. It's okay to not own Bitcoin. You don't have to fall for their tricks. I like that. I like that signal. It's interesting that, you know, th these are such social movements and 2018, 2019 and lots of 2020 definitely felt like an era of Bitcoin maximalism. That's like, there shall only be one money. There shall only be crypto. And that crypto is Bitcoin. And um, what we're seeing is, is this sort of thing is, is really flipping the script on that. No, there are multiple store of value assets and Bitcoin might not be your entrance to the space. You might even decide not to hold it versus other interesting crypto assets. So yeah, that's a take, man. It's a good take. I, I wonder if we'll, uh, you're, you're starting a movement there of um, non-Bitcoin non crypto people. Wow. Mm -hmm. what, what's right. that like? <laughs> what, what, what was interesting to me is like after I tweeted this, Anthony Cesano also retweeted me and quote tweeted and said, I also own a zero BTC. And then like 10 people uh, quote tweeted him saying, I also own zero BTC. It's like this great coming out of the closet moments, like people realizing or waking up that like, hey, we actually it's actually OK to say this. Like it's, it's not it's not controversial to say that we don't own Bitcoin. Yeah, it's 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 very funny, uh, and I think definitely worthy of um, of a social movement. There, um, let's talk about another social movement, David. You liking these segues, by the way. I'm just like I'm knocking it out of the park today. Uh, GME drama. So this is the GameStop drama was like a twenty billion dollar ad for Bitcoin. I would also add crypto in general, mm -hmm. but like this is the first time we talked about GameStop during this roll up, but that man, that was just like such a massive thing right. that right. just happened last mm -hmm. week. 
and it is drawing the entire world's attention to crypto, a massive advertisement for the potential of this industry. What's your take here? Yeah, this this is exactly right. Like I saw so many posts on our cryptocurrency and our Bitcoin saying like, uh, Bitcoin never made sense to me until GameStop. Uh, and like, yeah, right. And like Elon Musk, that's, he got, he put Bitcoin in his bio right after this GameStop debacle. Like this, the, the, people need real world examples for why Bitcoin matters, not just theoretical ones. Because if Bitcoin or crypto or Ethereum, if they only offer theoretical answers and not practical answers, they're never going to get adopted. Like they actually need to solve real world problems. And the GameStop craze is a $20 billion ad for Bitcoin. Absolutely. Good. It take. helps, it helps the world understand crypto, right? Which yeah. is the most bullish thing, as we've said yeah. elsewhere in this episode yeah. already. Um, mm -hmm. Also, DeFi. Decentralized DeFi. finance already exists. Like this question of how do we solve the Robinhood problem? Zerion put out this uh, fantastic image you can see if you're watching on, on YouTube of all of the different areas of traditional finance. So you've got money, you've got central banking, you've got commercial banking, exchanges, brokerages, insurance. These are all of the actors in traditional finance and did a direct mapping of all of the decentralized finance um, uh, corollaries, essentially saying like, hey guys, you know, you want money? We've got DAI, we've got Ether, we've got Bitcoin. You want some sort of a, a banking, commercial banking structure? Well, there's Aave, there's Compound. You want exchanges? We have Uniswap, we have DYDX. So there's this whole ecosystem that has literally been developed from the ground up to solve the Robinhood problem, to solve the centralized finance problem. Uh, and I thought this was a great image to just to just show that. And I think that message is starting to get out into the world. Those, the people seem a little intimidated by DeFi still at this point. I mean, we all we all were intimidated by DeFi when we started getting into it. But this this picture is is worth a thousand words, right? Like seeing that, like, hey, we have the old version, old Fi. I think I also like the old Fi meme. Uh, and then we also have DeFi, which is this new thing. And we, it, like, are you used to your old Fi? Well, we actually have similar solutions in DeFi. That's what this picture communicates in picture form. And you know, picture forms are just more digestible. Yeah. All right, absolutely. Hey, uh, I've got one last take and then we'll get to what excites us. That is this. This is um, something I read from Ryan Selkis's newsletter, Masari newsletter, and it was really titled Kill Envy. So what's happening now, David, is we are at the point of the bull market, maybe an early bull market, where you're looking around and you're like, oh my God, what what DeFi asset just popped last week? Wow. you You know, Uniswap did a, Uni did a 3X last week. Uh, Aave did a 2X last week. And you're, you're facing a barrage of constant FOMO, right? So like this fear of missing out, what's the next token going to be? And you're seeing all of these people get rich on something, right? right. And uh, what that causes, Ryan Selkis is saying, is like this, this feeling of, of envy. But the, the message here is, hey, don't feel like that. Ignore the FOMO. Because if mm -hmm. you're in crypto in this moment, if you're listening to Bankless and you're invested in some of these assets we're going to talk about, you already won. You don't mm -hmm. have to compete for the ultimate highest score. You'd like, right. you know, I used to play tons of video games. I don't play as many video games nowadays. But the thing about playing online, anything, is there's always going to be someone who's better than you. Like always. Mm -hmm. There's there's somebody who's grinding harder in World of Warcraft. There's somebody who could like snipe you faster in Counter-Strike. There's always someone better, right? And 
if you're playing a game of, of competing for that scoreboard, that, that status game almost of top slot, you're going to lose a lot of the, I think, uh, fun of what a bull market could be. We're all going to do okay. It's going to mm-hmm. be fine. We're in a bull run. Just enjoy it. You are part of the less than 1% who understands crypto at this moment in time. You are so massively early. Don't fall for. Don't fall into the envy trap. Don't fall into the, the FOMO game because what can happen is you start chasing things. When you start chasing things, you <laughs> you wreck your taxes, right? Like at least in the US, you, you got short-term uh, gains and losses to deal with. Um, you're chasing things based on narrative rather than fundamentals. Like uh, it's just not a game that that you want to play. So I thought that was helpful from Ryan and would definitely echo that that sentiment. Um, get out of the FOMO game. You're here. You already won. Just relax. Enjoy the ride. Um, like time, like everything we talk about, just in general and bankless. And th- this is just following the bankless, the, the number one bankless rule for surviving a bull market where you always position yourself in a way where if you lose, you can still play the game and FOMOing too hard and like getting those dollar signs in your eyeballs when you see a chart pumping, like, and, and that that's all recipes for potential disasters, right? Like, you know, and FOMOing isn't necessarily bad, I would say, but like, it's really important to understand where you are in the market cycle and your own emotional reactions to why you are FOMOing. FOMOing in the early part of the market is safer than FOMOing in the latter part of the market, but no one knows where we are in that curve. Like no one knows where we are in the market. And so you really have to keep control of your emotions and, and understand and appreciate that like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like there have been four crypto bull markets and only two of them have been with Ethereum. And this is the second, right? This is <laughs> Ethereum number two. And so like, imagine if you FOMOed in at the top of the market, you took too much leverage, you got wrecked. You're gonna have to wait another four years for another life-changing opportunity, right? Like you just burned that one. And like, just like you said, there's no point in trying to, uh, we're already on like a life-changing opportunity. There's no point in trying to get like three life-changing amounts of money. (laughs) Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Just don't be greedy guys. Don't be greedy. You can only spend one life-changing amounts of money. Like you don't need multiple life-changing amounts of money. You just need one. And, and you already got it if you're listening to this episode. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got back into crypto back in 2017, and it has been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens like Wi-Fi, Aave, Uni, and also they are one of the few exchanges that has liquid DAI markets. Having both the option of logging into the Gemini.com website or instead opening the Gemini mobile app has allowed me to be able to access any and all exchange and on or off ramp services that I've needed to on a moment's notice. With instant deposits and fast withdrawals, I'm able to make my money do the things I want it to when I want it to. You can buy crypto safely and securely on Gemini with the peace of mind of knowing that your investments are insured and protected with industry leading cybersecurity. You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after signup, you'll be gifted a free $15 bonus. Check them out, gemini.com slash go bankless. Synthetics is Ethereum's decentralized derivatives liquidity protocol. What does that mean? 
Synthetics is a platform for creating and trading synthetic assets, which are assets that are priced via an oracle rather than bids or asks. Traders can use the Quenta exchange, which hosts and trades all of the synthetic assets created by Synthetics. Traders on Quenta can trade synthetic tokens like SBTC, SOIL, or SDFI. Because Quenta is powered by synthetics, traders experience zero slippage on their trades. No, I didn't mean low slippage, I meant no slippage, because that is the power of the synthetics platform. No slippage on your trades. You can also easily short assets with iSynths, which are synthetic assets that move inversely to their target asset. Synthetics isn't just for traders, developers can build on synthetics to access the infinite liquidity offered by synthetic assets, or investors can stake collateral to the protocol and earn fees that the protocol collects. If you're a trader and you're looking for a trading platform not found in the legacy world, check out quenta.io. If you're a developer or you just want to earn yield on your collateral, go to www.synthetics.io where you can stake your SNX or ETH and earn fees from synthetics. All right, David, what are you excited about this week? All right, two things. I'm, I'm excited about the future of DPI and specifically the, the index co-op. Uh, I've gotten a ton of friends texting me because uh, I'm a degenerate with my Instagram stories. Putting, I put the, the, the Winklevoss uh, tweets about how they support Bankless on my Instagram. And now everyone's, <laughs> everyone, everyone's asking me, it's like, all right, like, now, now I got to get in. What should oh, I do? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. good and for so, your like, social life there. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, I'm usually not in the realm of giving financial advice, but like these people are looking for just like actionable statements. And so they say, Hey, like they say, what's, what should I buy? And here's what I tell them. Here's what I tell them. Usually I'm not in the realm of giving them advice, but I tell them one third Bitcoin, one third ETH and one third DPI. And that should just settle them for, for forever, right? The DeFi, the DeFi is the hot thing this season. And thank God we have DPI as an index for DeFi to be able to give people exposure to what makes this industry so like awesome and optimistic and what I think is going to be the upside this cycle. Yeah, I don't have to like tell them, so like, well, here's my thesis behind SushiSwap or Uniswap or Aave because like that's just going to bombard them with information. DPI is where you get access to DeFi. It's such a simple tool. I'm really optimistic about the future of DPI. It only has a $100, $100 million market cap. Uh, I mean, it's, it's weird to say that the DPI is undervalued because it's actually just an index, but like the, the index deserves to be at least a billion dollars. And so buy, buy DPI if you want exposure to DeFi. Yeah, it's, it's really simple. And then like after that, after they've constructed that, that portfolio, then comes the hard part, right? Mm -hmm. They have to resist what we we're just talking about, David, which is foaming mm -hmm. into all of these other things yeah. or like being taken by the crypto markets, the, the ups and downs of volatility, selling too early, that's another hazard. So what they have to do is once they construct that portfolios, have the discipline to hold and hold mm -hmm. for the long term. That's where a lot of people fall off the bandwagon, even after they they follow mm -hmm. advice like the type that uh, that you're giving. Um, what, what else are you excited about, man? Yeah, number, number two is... Uh, as Vitalik got me really bullish on this one, which is the the world of layer two smart contract wallets, layer two wallets with social recovery. And I think one of the pioneers in this space is Loopring. Uh, I've gotten a, a, a privileged rumor that Loopring, the uh, the iOS app, just got approved and is working on getting out to people's uh, to people's iPhones. Uh, and I think that's going to be the injection point for especially all of this like Wall Street bets, GameStop energy, where people come into DeFi. And they're like, okay, all these people are surely DeFi to me. Let's check this out. Let's Gas go buy fees. a token. 
Dokken on Uniswap, gas yep. fees. Like what the yep. hell is this? $30 to exchange an asset. I was just on Robinhood and that was free, right? Yep. And so the loop ring is both an L2 with a mobile smart contract wallet that has liquidity, right? So we are talking very low or zero it, gas. It even fees. has an automated market maker, like a right. Uniswap of loop has, ring. It it's that a, carnival over the pier that you were talking about earlier. That's exactly right. It's got the Uniswap style AMMs on its L2, which is something that you can provide liquidity to, by the way. That's a market opportunity. If you think that people are coming into Looprings L2, they're going to need liquidity there. And that could be you. You could be taking those liquidity fees if that's if you are interested in that. Um, all of that, just like energy around GameStop, people need a, a Robin Hood-like experience. And I think the Loopring, uh, via, uh, Loop, Loopring smart contract wallet on mobile is going to offer that to them. Yeah, very cool. I'm also excited to see what uh, Argent does soon too. But uh, you're absolutely right. Smart contract wallets are going to be the future here. Ryan, what are you excited about? Um, you know, I already, I already said mine, dude, it was the grayscale thing. Grayscale yep. is, is doing triple point asset thesis, but here's the thing I will say as, as something I'm excited about ETH is at all time highs, dude. Yeah. 1700. Like we barely mm -hmm. spent any time in the 1500 range. Um, it's just, it's just crazy after going through a, a, a really long, arduous, uh, bear market where no one believed anything we were saying, um, to be on the other side of that, it, it feels kind of good. So ETH yeah. all-time highs. That's that's what's exciting this week, David. <laughs> Congratulations to ETH, right? Fifteen. We blew, we just blew by the fifteen hundred. You're totally right. Like just hardly knew it. And uh, I'm I, maybe this is too bullish, but I think those the hundred dollar levels that we are blowing by might turn into thousand dollar levels that we're. Oh my by. god! Too much. Too, too much. much. Too much, we'll all right, rolling it back. That, we'll if that starts goes. to happen, that I might be calling the top there, but uh, maybe, maybe it happens once. We'll see how it goes. All right, uh, David, let's try this new segment, Meme of the Week. New, What's new the segment. Meme of the week? New, new segment, segment time. We're trying it out. New meme of the Week. Okay, so this was this was my meme that I create, created after I tweeted out I don't own any Bitcoin because 10,000 Bitcoiners told me to have fun staying poor. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to describe Wait, they this. said that? You got that reaction? I Oh, like a million wait. of them. Are these real people? Are these like bots? Like, are these real people I, saying, hey, David? I think, I think they're real people. <laughs> I think they're real people, which yeah, is absolutely okay. crazy. Okay. All right. I think this is a, a meme that Sailor made. The have fun staying poor is like somebody that says anything negative about Bitcoin, like the Bitcoin cyber hornets come in and flood your DMs. And like one of them says H. And then the second one says A, and this next one says V, and then they all spell <laughs> out together, have fun staying poor, which I actually think is really cool because that indicates the coordination of the Bitcoin community, the coordination yeah, of the, the meme. It's great meme coordination. It's, it's fantastic. It's actually really bullish for Bitcoin, but yeah. it also <laughs> proves my point about what I was trying to signal when I said I own zero Bitcoin. All right. So, so here's the meme. Uh, I'm going to try and describe it for the listeners. This is the meme where there, uh, there is like these two soldiers on top of a hill and then they're in yellow and there's a bunch of soldiers on the ground laying down in red and they're, they're, they look like they're dead. And the, the two soldiers on the top of the hill saying, how do we know if they're actually dead or if they're just pretending? And the second soldier says, I own zero Bitcoin. And then all the, all the red soldiers on the ground start cracking up and they go, ha ha ha, have fun staying poor. And then the yellow soldiers are able to identify which ones are still alive. So they stab them. Uh, I don't, I don't mean to cause, like indicate any violence is not, is just not what the meme is. I thought it was <laughs> It's funny because even though they know they're about to die, they can't resist saying it. They just got to yeah. say it. Have, some, have fun staying poor. It's just something about the culture, man. <laughs> All right, good. Well, we should continue to do these. Uh, look for the meme of the week. Can people t tweet us memes? 
Bankless HQ on Twitter has become, and Instagram, by the way, has become mm -hmm. a meme generation engine. Um, and like, we're trying to capture the best and, and tweet them out, make our own, that sort of thing. So uh, what should people do? Tweet, tweet at us if they've got a good meme for next week. Yeah, if you think that you got a meme that deserves to be meme of the week at Bankless HQ, either on Twitter or on Instagram, and you should also be following us on Instagram because that's where uh, we have the meme sandbox growing. We're testing out our memes. The best, <laughs> the best memes that do really, really well on Instagram make it to the Bankless Twitter, and all the other ones uh, that are just you know fun to send around on Instagram are on Bankless Instagram at Bankless HQ. So you guys should all be following that. All right, David, that's been roll-ups, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to do risks and disclaimers this week because it almost sounded like you were giving financial advice, which I know you weren't doing. I would never, ever. Not do that. So ETH is risky. Crypto is risky. So is DeFi, guys. You could lose what you put in, but we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.